Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. Schools should not be permitted to press minors into procedures. We are ending the drug war and reopening Amerithrax. But first, new D.C. law would give vaccine decisions to 11-year-olds and cut the parents out entirely. The nation's capital city, District of Criminals, I like to call it, looking likely to pass legislation that would allow children as young as 11 years old to make their own decisions on receiving vaccines without parental consent or knowledge. Bill 23-171 would allow for children as young as 11 to consent to all vaccines on the government schedule. At the same time, the school, the healthcare provider, and the parent's private insurance would conceal the child's vaccination from parents or guardians who would have no knowledge unless the kid tells them. The bill states that the minor must be capable of meeting the informed consent standard, which would be determined by a physician. Legislation first introduced way back on March 5th, 2019, and they had a public hearing on June 26, 2019, and then it sat and sat and sat until October 7th of this year, 2020, when the four-person health committee revised it, passed it, and brought it up to the full council vote on October 20th. It passed resoundingly as generally the demise of nations, you know, come with thunderous applause. It passed resoundingly 12 to 1 and now heads back for a second reading and final vote on November 10th. All update, they postponed it. I was trying to find the most recent information, and of course we will include that in your show notes. They say the vote has been postponed to next Tuesday, November 17th. Councilmember Trayon White, the lone dissenting vote in that 12 to 1, said his objection is to the removal of parents from the decision. For me, it's not an issue of the vaccination. It's an issue of the council voting to circumvent the inclusion of a parent making the decision about their child. Medical practitioners, schools, and others should not be permitted to coerce or press minors into procedures that are capable of causing injury or death behind their parents' back, which, of course, makes for the interesting situation. Oh, okay, we'll just do it in front of your parents. Mary Holland, meanwhile, general counsel for the Children's Health Defense, said she expects swift legal action if the bill passes. This is essentially cutting parents out of the equation of their children's health care. Holland told the Epic Times, which the New York Times says is bad. I think this is extremely dangerous, and I think parents across the country will be able to perceive the danger that this represents, not only to their children, but to their rights as parents. Holland has fought against the elimination of exemptions for mandatory vaccinations for children, especially those who are medically fragile. Children's Health Defense currently fighting vaccine mandates in California and New York, as well as being part of the team suing pharmaceutical company Merck for allegedly causing severe injuries with its Gardasil vaccine. Hey, sidebar, President Kamala Harris's husband, lawyer Douglas Imhoff, defended Merck, you know, the Vioxx killers, and of course, Gardasil as well. B23-0171, Minor Consent for Vaccinations Amendment Act of 2019 says, as, as introduced, quote, this bill permits a minor of any age to consent to receive a vaccine where the vaccination is recommended by the United States Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. It also establishes that if a minor is able to comprehend the need for the nature of and any significant risks inherent in the medical care, then informed consent is established. Hey, it's almost like this is all rolling out internationally, simultaneously. New York State Bar passes mandatory COVID-19 vaccination recommendation. But on around the world, Israel Health Ministry may recommend mandatory coronavirus vaccine law. The good side to that is at least 20% when polled said, absolutely, we're not going to take that. 
the insult to injury, James, I guess on this, what we generally call this week in tyranny, new lockdown in Greece requires people to text authorities before leaving your home. And when you think about that, I think you could probably check out this other link. I'll include a link to a swear-filled way that you should really probably greet and treat politicians. New Yorker greets Mayor de Blasio with some swears, and that is not safe for work, as there's not too many things to safe for work, James. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of these stories aren't safe for life. And uh, here's a good example of one. Uh, yeah, I hope people will check out that audio. I heard it on Morning Monarchy today. And <laughs> it was uh, New Yorkers being New Yorkers for a change instead of rolling over and taking it, which was refreshing to hear. But yeah, on this main story here, I, I, I'm at a loss for words. Once again, I cannot express how crazy this is. 11-year-olds are now being given... Uh, yeah, okay, you're old enough to consent as long as we give you age-appropriate consent materials so that you're f fully informed, whatever that means. Oh, here's a coloring book, and, you know, here's where the boo-boo is, and here's where we're going to stick the needle. Okay, okay, now we'll give you the needle, whatever it, that ends up being. But uh, I, I was convinced when I was reading the article about this, I was convinced, oh, this is going to be one of those things where you go and you look at the legalese of the bill, and it's buried in some other bill, and it's some, you know, subparagraph 7J's stroke Q of, of Article 3 of subsection 17 will be amended to include the word 11 or something like some, you know, legalese like that. But actually, no, this is a, an immensely straightforward, immensely readable three-page bill. So please do go to the bill and actually read it for yourself because it is absolutely straightforward. Even the summary, as introduced, this bill permits a minor of any age to consent to receive a vaccine where the vaccination is recommended by the United States Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. It also establishes that if a minor is able to comprehend the need for, the nature of, and any significant risks inherent in the medical care, then in consent is established. And when you go and read the bill, yep, that's exactly what it says uh, in black and white. And the part that I, okay, all right, so we're going to treat 11-year-olds as fully responsible adults who can make their own decisions. So now they can, obviously, they can buy cigarettes, they can buy alcohol, of course, because if they're, if they're able to make that kind of consent, then of course they can do that, uh, let alone Voting, of course, they have to be given the sacrament of voting, uh, and and uh, obviously they can drive, they can uh, be drafted into war. You know, absolutely anything that any informed, consenting adult can do, now 11-year-olds can do, right? Right? Oh, no, of course not. No, it's just that they can consent to take pharmaceuticals from Big Pharma without their parents' knowledge. Now, this is the part that gets to me. Okay, we're going to treat 11-year-olds as adults. But we are going to go out of our way to put it in black and white in the bill that we will do this not only behind the parents' back, but we will actually make it so that we do not even report to the parents that this has happened. Uh, and, and again, this is directly in the bill. If parent is utilizing a religious exemption for vaccinations or is opting out of receiving the human papillomavirus vaccine, but a minor is receiving vaccinations under Chapter 6 of Title 22B, blah, 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 then a healthcare provider shall leave the immunization record in Part 3 blank and shall submit the immunization record directly to the minor's school. The school shall keep this inf uh, immunization record confidential except it may share the record with the Department of Health or the school-based health center. They are literally in black and white in this legislation saying we will keep this information secret from the parents. Th that is insanity. And any parent, any parent 
who is going to consent to this, is going to allow this to happen, is committing child abuse. And is, is I, I just, I cannot for the life of me how, understand how anyone could possibly allow this to happen. Yep, you, not only are my 11, is my 11-year-old a, a, an informed, consenting adult in the eyes of the law for this one specific purpose, but the, the, in black and white, in legalese, right there, they're telling you they will actually hide this information from the parents. Utter insanity. Anyone who's going to take this is is basically signing away their children to the state and might as well just give the children directly to the state at this point. And that's, I think, what what so much of this is. You don't own your body. The state owns your body. Yeah, it's it's your body, but their choice. So maybe your 11 year old can transition into a different gender and then they can still fight in, you know, all the Democrat wars. James, as we've been saying, it's it's almost like the brave New World Order has been emboldened in this year, 2020. And of course, we all get to vote on it, right? This is episode 428 of New World Next Week, and we head to my old state of Oregon for, for, for segment two, James. Oregon takes the lead on ending the war on drugs. We grab this from FEE.org, and again, everything we mention always cited in your show notes last week. Oregon voted to decriminalize the possession of all drugs. Ballot measure 110 passed with a whopping 59% of the vote. Numerous other states voted to legalize recreational cannabis, meaning create a giant state-run track-and-trace boondoggle, Arizona, New Jersey, Montana, and South Dakota. Across the board, though, voters struck down policies that supported the war on drugs at every opportunity they were given. But Oregon's initiative is by far the most sweeping progression we've seen on this front to date. And I've often said Oregon's cannabis law is actually much, much, much better than many other states, especially the garbage California cannabis law. You're not allowed to grow your own. You'll still get busted with an amount. Again, the Oregon cannabis law, which now has been passed, what, six years ago, is, I think, a resounding success. This is also different from actions taken in other states because the vote did not legalize drugs, but rather decriminalize them. This means it removes criminal penalties attached to the possession of drugs, but didn't all out legalize them, a very important distinction. Beginning February 1st, because I guess January 1st would be too soon, Oregonians caught carrying small amounts of illegal substances, oh, you still get fined. You'll be met with a $100 fine if you choose not to pay that or if you are unable to pay it. James, it sounds like they basically force you to take some sort of weird class, like some sort of night court kind of class that I'm sure doesn't tie in with the biomedical mental health security state. But again, this is great news, not just good news. It keeps people out of cages for daring to do the drugs that, of course, the government gangsters bring in. And James, we will flash back to a decade and a month ago here on New World Next Week. Oregon County decriminalizes heroin, meth, cocaine, shoplifting, and more. And that was Multnomah County, the county that contains, of course, the big loud city of Portland, Oregon. Meanwhile, though, interesting thing, though, James, it's not all Johnny Welfare playing acid rock on a stolen guitar. Door-to-door trace testing for COVID-19 in Eugene, Oregon. And that essentially means giant college town because you got to get the kids hooked on this. And you thought the census missionaries were bad, James. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting contrast in stories, isn't it? Because yeah, of course, it does seem like oh, okay, my body, my choice, right? 
Uh, but no, no, it isn't. The state still gets to direct. No, you okay? We'll let you have. You can do this with you know with your body, but you cannot do this. And we will come in and we'll stick the swab up your nose and take your DNA and whatever else we want to do. Um, you put the emphasis on the right place when you said um, you know every time every time someone the 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 voters were given an opportunity to vote on decriminalization or legalization. Um, decriminalization mostly uh, they they voted for that of course when 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 the slaves are given the chance to put their suggestion in the slave suggestion box aka the voting booth they all voted yes please allow us to do things with our body yeah, but of course it's only when they're allowed to give that suggestion when the masters decide that you are allowed to give a suggestion about what the masters will do with your body then they will then you, know, you can you can have your vote and you can uh, win it that way. So yeah, I mean, the underlying premise of all of this is that the state still controls what you do with your body, but sometimes they'll allow you a little bit of freedom here. Anyway, I don't want to take away from this. Yes, this is good. Your body, your choice, this is a good thing. But can we just apply it a little bit more broadly so that, for example, my body, my choice when it comes to, I don't know, vaccines? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, don't blame me, man. I voted to stay on the Jones plantation. Uh, other interesting sidebar, uh, our buddy Ryan Christian of The Last American Vagabond, of course, a deplatformed, as many folks are being. He was playing a clip recently on some of his shows, basically talking about how the most loved movements in America and the most hated movements in America both have about a 30% chance of actually becoming law because you're not given the chance to, of course, cheer for longer chains and bigger cages. Finally, on this Neural Next Week episode 428, James, I think in a lot of ways we return to kind of the classic bedrock ground zero of Neural Next Week. Petition to Congress to reopen the 2001 anthrax attacks investigation. This coming from the fine folks at OffGuardian.org, the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry has recently petitioned Congress to reopen the 2001 anthrax investigations, which it claims were intentionally obstructed and not conducted in good faith. The 2001 anthrax attacks, James, which I feel like I'm some old history teacher going to tell people about a thing that happened 19 years ago, took place one week after 9-11. And remember, of course, the Bush administration were already on the anti-anthrax drugs before the anthrax attacks happened. It was one of the worst biological attacks in U.S. history. Letters containing anthrax spores were mailed to various news outlets and two Democratic senators, killing five, infecting 17 others. In their petition, sent to all 435 little Congress critters and 100 state senators, the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry reached a number of damning conclusions, including that the ensuing FBI investigation, one of the largest and most complex in the history of law enforcement, was in fact, quote, intentionally steered away from the most likely suspects. The petition calls for congressional involvement due to a Department of Justice conflict of interest. What's more, it concludes those responsible for the attacks are yet to be brought to justice and are still at large. The Lawyers Committee's conclusions, supported by 69 petition exhibits, among these uh, exhibits essentially, you know, like Perry Mason court cases, documents provided by Colonel Anderson, which dealt with alleged evidence tampering and forged handwriting, leading to the false incrimination of Bruce Edwards Ivans. Bruce Ivans, 62 years old, 
died in an apparent suicide while under investigation right as the FBI was closing in in July 2008 after being informed, hey, we're going to charge you in these anthrax attacks. On August 6, 2008, Justice Department posthumously declared Ivan's the sole perpetrator of the attacks motivated by his desire to secure the future of an anthrax vaccination program he was working on. The findings of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry, however, cast the FBI's Amerithrax investigations in a very different light. James, so very many false flags flying this last year, and we wonder when will they maybe stop flying, or at least when will they go viral? James? Very, very important question, isn't it? And I hope people will understand the significance of the Amerithrax false flag event in light of recent events. Um, if not, uh, please do go back to my COVID-9-11 work. Um, I do actually have much more to say about this coming in the near future, so stay tuned for that. But yes, this is absolutely one of the bedrock foundational events, the way 9-11 was a foundational event for the war of terror hysteria of the past two decades. And the anthrax event and what really happened there is one of the foundational events of this biosecurity paradigm. So it is exceptionally important that people who are not up to speed on what really happened there get up to speed. And my hat's off to the uh, the lawyers committee here for raising this issue again. It does need to be raised. Now, you know, I am, shall we say, not holding my breath for this to find actual justice or, okay, let's reopen the investigation. Oh, it turns out the U.S. government did do it. <laughs> I'm not expecting that to come out in a court of law, so-called. Um, but I do think it is valuable to do this uh, because, A, the investigation that the Lawyers Committee is doing is important and it does dredge up more details and they do put it out in black and white so you can go and read through their points and read through their the, the case and, and uh, all of the information they have and that's valuable to put that on record. It's also valuable to get it on record for the courts to come out and say, nah, you know, all this, Dad, all this info you've got, all of this thing that contradicts what we said, ah, we're not going to look at that, so that people know and understand that the government is refusing to, of course, look into anything that would implicate itself. And look, I'm not American, and I'm not an historian, and I'm not a scholar, but it seems to me, if I recall correctly, wasn't this mentioned in the Declaration of Independence? In every stage of these oppressions, we have pe petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Yes, indeed. And so what does it mean that the government continues to poo-poo the Lawyers Committee's 9-11 uh, petitions, for example, or I, I'm going to go out on a limb and venture to predict that this anthrax uh, petition to reopen the anthrax investigation will not get very far in the courts. What does that mean? And what will the people of America and the world generally do today that their forefathers a couple hundred years ago were doing? Or what will they not do that their forefathers a couple hundred years ago were doing? The choice is ours. We are at that crossroads. And I hope I hope people are starting to get the idea here. And we do need a new declaration of independence. And I wonder who's going to be the one to issue that clarion call. Mm. Well, James, again, as we sort of talk about waiting for the courts or the state to actually do anything, I'm still waiting around for that update on, you know, hey, did you guys weaponize mosquitoes or was it ticks? I forget, James, the story we talked about, I mean, what, a year ago, probably? 
asking Congress, hey, will you will you please let us know if you weaponized bioweapons? It might be important. So again, we might not find out, but as you said, kind of getting it on the public record, getting it in the congressional record, again, kind of puts it in there in black and white, and then we can go research it. That is, of course, until, you know, Internet Archive has to, you know, kill it in the memory hole or something. Another interesting thing to remember about the Amerithrax attacks is that Mike Pence, the possibly outgoing vice president of America, he made his bones in the Amerithrax PSYOP. I certainly did not know who Mike Pence was back then, but in the years since, I learned, oh, he said it was Saddam behind that anthrax, and it's almost like he's been rewarded for helping the brave New World Order, as we see time and time again. There's another important episode of New World Next Week, 428 in the can, James. As we've been mentioning for now several months, we've opened up the North American Post Office Box for folks that want to support you, that want to support New World Next Week. You can find that and all the other information down below. I'll just remind people again, make sure... You make the checks out to James Evan Pilato. I don't have a business media monarchy account. I have had one check get bounced from the bank that says, ah, that's that's written to a business. So, of course, it has to be written out to the human James Evan Pilato. Of course, also, James, you know, there's PayPal and Patreon. I've tried to, been men- to mention to folks, Patreon rolled out local currencies for people, and they can do annual signups, which saves them, I think, from the brutal VAT taxes. Again, we don't really care how you support us, just that you support us. We've been doing New World Next Week for over a decade, James. I cracked my 15th anniversary of Media Monarchy. And again, it's only become more important, and I only see... More and more folks reaching out, more and more folks realizing that something's going on. And we'll be here to document it. James. We absolutely will. And let me remind people, another way to support this work is to share it with other people. Um, just let other people know about this. Uh, you can pass the link, obviously, or you can just share the information itself. But I like to think every single episode we do, we are connecting dots. There is new information that you are learning every single week here. So I think this is valuable work, if I do say so myself. And I hope people will share it with other people. Because trust me, they are not promoting this in all the algorithms anymore. And they're making it so you can't even search for it on their controlled search platforms. So we need word of mouth now more than ever. And that's an important way of supporting this work as well. Anyway, that being said, James, thank you very much for these stories. Looking forward to it again next week. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Take care.